Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. It seems that we live in a time with more access than ever before. And most people today, uh, I believe, are struggling with one of life's most important things, and that is identity. Who am I really? And did you know that everywhere you look, it appears someone is apparently more successful, in better shape, making more money and living their dreams, but you may feel like you aren't? I know I've had this thought cross my mind many, many times and yes, you're wondering, Jay, even you? I'm like, yes, 100% because I am human. But this daily barrage of better than me attitude drives feelings of imposter syndrome. I know I've dealt with that, unworthiness and of, of obviously shame, which is a big one. All the while, deep down, we are yearning for a clear sense of self and stability more than ever before. Well, my next guest is none other than Anthony Trucks. Now, for those of you that don't know who he is, he has had quite the quite the journey to get to where he is today. He has beaten all the beaten all the all the odds. Sorry, he grew up uh, and a, a black adopted boy in a poor white family to beat more than just that. Um, he became an NFL. An, NFL athlete, man, I'm having a go with uh, language today, aren't I? A American ninja warrior and international speaker who has been featured in Success Magazine on Netflix and Amazon Prime, among many, many others. He's the creator of the Shift Method to help people close the identity gaps that are responsible for the shortfalls on their own path to sec- to success. Anthony is also a loving father, husband, and a man of faith, and I love how he's not ashamed of that and to put it in his bio. He's as well as a passionate dog dad with his family in Walnut Creek, California. He also hosts the Or Shift and Shift Starter podcast, among many, many other incredible things. I think this conversation will help many of you if you are struggling with knowing your sense of self, knowing your identity, 
and figuring it out uh, for your own unique self. I think many of us, like I said a moment ago, at one point or another in our life do struggle with this and why not at whatever stage of life you are now, you can deal with it. And I hope that you're able to deal with it after you've listened to this conversation and you're able to figure it out for yourself through Anthony's story. All right, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into this story box as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the stories of none other than Anthony Trucks. I appreciate it, man. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I, maybe I am some people's cause for the, the shortfalls. I don't know. Maybe my kids will tell you that. They'll be like, this guy, he ruined my life because he was hard on me. No, I don't know. I'm kidding. I don't think that at all, my friend. Nah, I'm <laughs> no, I'm I think you're awesome. I think the message you are promoting to my generation and, and just people in general is, is much needed. But the very first question I have for you, man, is how are you doing? How's things in, in your neck of the woods? Uh, how's life going? You, you got busy time. I think you, you released, yeah, released a book last year as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I released a book. I'm, I'm in what I call season of debt. Here's what I have. I have Cadillac problems in America. We have these vehicles called Cadillacs. They're really smooth, man. And so when, when a car drives on the road, same car, right? But some cars have less comfortable shocks. You feel the whole vibrations and speed bumps and all that kind of stuff. Whereas in a Cadillac, it's pretty smooth. So I say that to say, I, I have no shortage of problems, but I have the shocks to handle it. And uh, and I have a great, great life, man. I got a great wife who does some cool things. I get to be proud of her. I got a son in college or what you guys would call university, his freshman year. And he's doing his thing, running track at University of Oregon, mine and my wife's alma mater. I have twins that are doing sports. Um, one's running track, my daughter, my other son's playing football. And I have a business I run where I get to travel and talk and speak and share. And it's it's awesome, man. I I got I got a cool life. It didn't start this way. It wasn't always this great, but uh, but I've created something amazing. What do you mean by it didn't always start this way? You didn't just wake up and all of a sudden this is your amazing life in front of you? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's uh, there's no way that happened. You know, I think there are some people that have lives like that, but I think the ones that have uh, the ability to have grit under control and to have a certain level of, of self-control, honestly, or work ethic, there is something we all went through at some point in time that hardened us, man, that, that, you know, like steel, like, you know, it's, it's, there's something that hardens you to a level to where you can withstand, but it's not hard in terms of like angry and mean to the world. I actually, I feel like I can go into the world looser now because all the things that have kind of tried to knock me down didn't. So because of that, I'm like, I can survive a lot. So I'm gonna go take on a lot. Cause if it does touch me in a negative way, I can handle it. And that it comes from childhood. It comes from business stuff, sports stuff, life stuff, all of it. But at this point in time, I've I've wrestled a we'll call it wrestled enough bowls, man, or I can uh, I can feel comfortable getting into the pen. You have been through a lot. I mean, if anyone hears your story or reads your story from your books, anyone would know straight away that you've been through hell and back. And this kind of leads into one of the questions I did want to ask you: Why not start early on, right? Which is what goes through your mind when you see or hear someone that is playing the victim role when they've really got nothing to be playing the victim role about. Yeah. There's two ways you can approach that. So there are people that have, uh, have a certain level of, we'll call it everybody's level of difficulty is relative to them. Right. So there's some people that'll, you know, woe is me. This is all the end of the world. And, and part of me, we'll call it the more abrasive, um, we'll call it less compassionate, less empathetic, Anthony, the, the, uh, the former professional football player, Anthony, 
goes, suck it up. Shut up. That's nothing. What do you, can you just get going? Like we, we don't need to hear that. Just go to work. Right. And there's a place for that guy. There is a place when that needs to exist. You know, if you're in a, a situation where maybe something's on the line, your career's on the line, your family's on the line, your health's on the line, you can make a bunch of excuses, but that guy's going to go, bro, shut up. Look what you have to lose. If you don't figure this out, I don't care. Find a way. Right. And then there's the other person that has more compassion, more empathy. And he goes, all right, I get it. Everybody's difficult is relative to their experience, which means that something for me that's like, suck it up. What are you doing for them could be debilitating. And so I'd say I answer that in two ways of two different perspectives. One side's going to be, you really need to figure it out and I can coddle you and make you feel good about yourself and, and leave you there. Or I can say, get up and get going. And in both those cases, I have to take into account that for the person who's, this is killing them and it's the hardest they've ever done. They might need a little more grace and compassion to get through it. Why do you think some people do end up playing the victim? It's easy, man. Easy way to go. Cause if you're the victim, you had no control. It was all, oh, it all happened to me. And I got, I got, it's easy. You could sit down and you could blame. Uh, you can, you can have an excuse to not have to work hard, right? It can be a whole bunch of different things. So because of that, it's, it's the easy path to go. And it almost allows you to feel justified to continue doing what you're doing or staying in that place without getting out of it. You know, this happened to me. It's why I'm here. Well, you've been there for 13, 14 years. You think it's time to get up? Maybe, you know, it, but if they continue to keep having that be the thing, then that's what ends up happening. People stay in that pathway and they get stuck. And it's unfortunate. So yeah, I think the victim role is easy to play. Uh, both it's a quick blame game and it's also less active energy, you know, dispelled by the person who's in that position to have to fix it. Have you ever played the victim role? Nah, man. I don't think I have. I think because I grew up in, I was given away as a kid in foster care. So I had to deal with a lot as a kid. And there's a point in time when I realized that if I'm going to get anything, it's going to come from the work I do. It doesn't matter what's happened, who's done what, because they're not going to come back and save my life. Like I had this natural realization and people, there's a point in time when I went from being like a horrible athlete, not so good. I just want to be great. People go, well, what was the thing that got you there? What, what made you believe you could succeed? And I go, I didn't believe I could succeed. All I believed was if I don't do anything, I have to keep this as my life. Yeah. There's only one path. And so there wasn't this thought of like, it's them and they did this and it's, you know, it's, they're going to, they, they should be blamed for it. It's why I'm doing this. It was not like, I, I don't like the life the way this is. They're not going to come back and help me. I don't see anybody coming to help me. Well, I better figure it out. And so because of that, I press forwards. I think it all comes down ultimately to a choice for the individual person. And it also comes down to how you were raised as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for me, I think I've been through a lot myself in my own life. Nothing really compares. And I don't think we should compare it to each other's stories. But the fact is, we'll be, the more challenges you go through, the more likely you are not to play the victim if you choose not to. And mm-hmm. like, if you see it, and I, I grew up seeing people that played the victim where they got them, as well as people that didn't play the victim and where they got them as well. And I'd much rather not play the victim and then make the choice to get myself out of it, which I have done many, many times. It is far better. It's a far better alternative than wallowing in self-pity and misery because no one yeah. wants to hang around you either. <laughs> no, it's all, it's all funky, man. You don't, nothing, thing. it's crazy to think that people assume that at some point in time, the feeling's going to stop. I'm going to feel like this. And at some point, it'll just, it'll just pass. And all of a sudden, nah, man, it's a suffering. And I've always believed that I, at one point, somebody told me this the guy used to be on, um, what was he on? It was an old school show called American Gladiator. His name was Turbo, I think. And he goes, action ends suffering. 
And I was like, that's a beautiful one because it does. Any, any moment of suffering you're in, there's going to be a collection or a singular action that ends it. It may not be the first one. It might be in a couple, right? But the truth is, as long as you sit there, you stay there. And so there's going to be some moment where you have to take an action when no part of your emotional soul feels like doing it. But it's the only way to end the suffering. And so where people, they cast blame and they, they play the victim, there's no, there's no need in your mind to go, I got to take an action. I can just sit here. Yeah, they much rather, you know, whatever comes easy, let bring it on. I don't want any pain. I don't want any struggle. The fact is, that's not really reality. That's not life. No. Some people it's may have cool. less pain and less struggle than others. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, th- I think that the more that you have pain, the more struggle that you have, the better you are and the more appreciation you have for life. And I, I think agree. you've got to get more comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think we're, we're given, yeah. If you think about whatever, think about uh, the, the value of something comes back past the, the amount of effort it took to get it right. So back in the day, aluminum was incredibly hard to get out of the rocks and everything. So aluminum used to actually be more valuable than gold. But at this point in time, we have a, a bunch of different ways to get aluminum outside of these rocks. So the value drops. It's hard to find gold. Gold has value. Reason it has value is it's hard to find gold. Right? There's there's actually all the gold on Earth. All the gold on Earth. I think there's enough to fill one Olympic size swimming pool. Oh. All the gold on earth that's been ever collected in the history of time. There's only ever been enough to fill, literally fill the a swimming pool, Olympic size. It's a lot of gold, obviously, but that's it. So the value of it's high. So when you talk to that, it's like, yeah, when you do hard things, the difficulty creates the value. I've done this thing. It, it, it took so much of me to do it. That's why it now holds value to me. It's why people call it sentimental value because yeah. it might not have transactional value, but my marriage has sentimental value, right? The, I don't know, let's call it the, the weight that my dad gave me when I was a kid that I've used for years. Like that gives me sentimental value because of the work done with it. So it's what you do in terms of effort given that creates the value in the back end. What's the hardest thing you've ever had to go through or ever had to do? Oh man, what's the hardest thing I've ever had to go through? There's a lot of things, dude. Hardest thing. The hardest thing I had to go through was the navigation of my, my marriage falling apart and my family t- breaking up. Because growing up, I didn't have, you know, my blood family. I had a family and I love my family, but I didn't have that blood family. So there's that thing missing. And so for me, when I was, I had my three kids and I had my wife and then I was looking at it all fall apart. Hardest thing. I didn't want to live anymore. Genuinely. I was like, I'm done with this thing called life. This is what it is. I don't want any part of it. And that was it. And and having to to go through like this, this long, enduring, painful fog of life of like, this is getting up every day going through the process, my soul's being drained. Here's a crazy thing. I owned a gym at the time and I, I would have to, I had no, imagine this. I have no happy in me. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no, no, there's nothing. There's no happy. And I would go to a gym for between four to eight hours a day and be happy for everybody. You got this, Tim. Hey, get after it, Kim. Here we go. Hey, Dylan, let's go to work. Like you just, hey, and I, I don't know where it's coming from. No, no clue. And I would get in my car at the end of the day and it would take me an hour just to start it because I was so empty. And so like that was the space I was in was just empty, man, heavy. And, and it was hard just to live life at those moments. A false sense of happiness, right? In a way. Yeah, it's out there. And you need that, bro. You got it. If you don't got happy, like I'm happy right now. I hope you can tell I'm happy. But when you don't have happy, man, life is hard. And the crazy thing is like you, you don't get to avoid hard. I think that's the, the thing that's interesting is when I say life is hard, well, hard, we talked about hard things gives you value. It makes you feel good about this thing. 
So logic would tell you, you don't get to avoid hard. You get to choose your hard. I can do the hard thing on my own preemptively because I choose it. And then I get the pride in the back end and I get to avoid hard later. Or I do whatever I'm doing and I run into hard. That's not my choose. And that's more difficult later. And so you have to choose proactively the hard you want so you don't have to face the hard you don't. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I like that. Because, yeah, either way, you're going to have to face up to it. You can run away from it. You're still causing more pain or you face up to it. But on the other side, there's guaranteed peace, happiness, love, and and prosperity until you go through it the next time. And there's also yeah. strength. And not a lot of people realize that either. They're much rather yeah. focused on the here and now of this pain and they don't think they can eventually get through it. So it's curious how you've been through all this stuff and you are where you are now. And you also mentioned that your marriage was falling apart. Oh, fell apart. We were divorced. You were divorced. Okay. Yeah, three years. Can, you, can you share the story behind that if you're comfortable with it? I'm going to cover everything, man. I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you Whatever you want to know, ask me. I have yet to tell anybody no. I may answer like in a politician way, but I answer the questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, not often. I tell the truth, man. I, I let it all fly. I, I seriously I do things where a lot of people in my life go, wow, you just said that, didn't you? And I go, yeah, because I know who I am. And and the rest, they say, live your life in a way to where if someone said anything bad about you, no one would believe them. That's how I've always lived my life. I, I do things in the light and the dark that are all capable of being seen in the light because I believe what you do in the dark comes to the light. And so I've just, yeah, I've always lived my life in that manner. So you can ask any questions in this window of time here, marriage falls apart. Uh, and I'm sitting at home man, just kind of going through the motions of trying to figure out what in the world is supposed to do. Because I think when people have something you've been in for a long time, I was high school sweethearts. We have kids together. Like I'm not used to being alone at all. I'm, I'm not used to being by myself since I was what, 16 years old. I was always in a relationship from 16. So it took like 10 years, you know what I mean? And I get to this point where I'm single and like, I don't want to be alone and I don't know how to navigate this. So I would, you know, I'd start dating women and have multiple partners. And here's the great thing is I'm a man of faith. And at this time in my life, I was the farthest from it I'd ever been. Yeah. I was not living a life that was in congruence with my faith. I actually, I felt guilty going to church because like, I'm not living right for this, you know, and they didn't do any drugs or any craziness like that. But, you know, I'd party and hang out and be with women and just, that was the world. And it was like this thing where I didn't feel comfortable or confident in my own skin because I was trying to plug a hole. You ever heard of Victor Frankl's um, Man's Search for Meaning? Yeah, I've got it on, on my bookshelf. I love it. It's one of my Great favorite book, books. Yeah. yeah, he talks about an existential vacuum. Yep. It's like a gaping hole. And what we do, we try to plug the hole with stuff, right? The distractions, the men, the women, the drugs, the alcohol, the parties, the traveling, the trips, the Instagram pictures. We try and plug this hole with stuff that'll never fill it. And so what ends up happening is you start shoving things in that don't belong in your life. And that was the way I was living. And so we were separate for a good chunk of time. I was blaming her for the marriage falling apart. She was blaming me for the marriage. I wasn't a present dad. My businesses were trash. I wasn't even, I was barely getting by. At one point I had to scrape together change to pay the rent at my condo. I'm not joking when I say change. I emptied every penny out of my car's cup holder. That's how, that's where I was at in the business. This is after the NFL, dude. I was broke. I had to go get money out of the cup holder. Dude, I was crazy. And, and I get to this point in life where I'm like, this is not a good life, man. And what happened was I woke up one day, like New Year's Day, January 2016. And bro, I just looked in the mirror. I was like, I don't like this man. I borderline hated the guy. He's living his life that was incongruent with his words and what his mom had raised him to be. My, my kids should never in any way emulate me or want to be like me or be with a person like me. 
my mom who had passed, she'd never be okay with this. And there's no way that faith wise, my God's going to let me into his home. So I was like, this is not a life I can continue living in this way. And so I started working on me. I cut the people off. I, I made the really hard choices. I had some really tough conversations with some really interesting human beings in my life, we'll call it. And it was, it was dude, it was the most gut-wrenching like window of life, but the most critical for my growth. I can't, I can't put any other thing in my life as a moment or a window of time that creates this manic besides that January 2016 on through about the end of the year. Okay. And so that guy was built. And then here's the interesting thing. Separately, but simultaneously, my wife was doing her work. There was no, there was no awareness by me of what she was doing and vice versa. We was doing our things. Like, I think it's just like at some point she woke up. It's like, I'm single. I have my kids not here. I'm over. I'm hungover. I have no one to call. I'm 30 years old. I don't like this. You know, like this is not what she wanted to do. And so she started working on her. And, you know, in a bunch of weird turns of events, somehow, some way, we ended up making another effort and squaring it away with a lot of our loved ones and having them give us their blessing to try it again, so to speak. And, and now we're here around six years. Actually, yeah, we're like six years into the remarriage. Bro, it's amazing. Like, it's, it's crazy to think of how much I hated this woman's guts. <laughs> like, I'm talking, I... I was like, if she doesn't ever come back one day, I'm cool with that. I didn't want her to die. I just wanted her never to be around my, my life ever again. And now, like, I can't imagine a, a moment of my life not being married to her. Wow. That's a story, man. And um, speaking about Viktor Frankl, there's a, a part of his book. I think it's a, in his book, from memory, I, I believe it is, how he talks about how man can live without sex, how he can live without drugs, how he can live without alcohol. The one thing you Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Cannot live without his meaning. Oh, yeah, true. Meaning in his life. And I think mm. meaning and, and real meaning that is comes from having connection with people around us. And I yeah. think for a lot of people, if we don't have that and we go to the bottle, it becomes that vacuum. It becomes that cycle, right? Of I'm going to plug this gaping hole <laughs> in, in my life. I did the same thing. I wasn't married, but I was dating someone at the time. And when she yeah. broke it off, I, I crumbled, man. I just didn't know what to do. I, I became depressed and I put on this, this big facade mm -hmm. that everyone mm -hmm. from the outside world to see, but inside I was dying. Yeah. And like you, I didn't want to be here anymore either. So mm -hmm. it becomes this, this crisis in your life until you make the choice to get up and actually start working on yourself properly and doing what you, you said, asking yourself those tough questions. And really yeah. trying to figure out who you actually are as a person. And you have to. Yeah. That 
most important thing in life because if you don't know who you are, I don't think you can really move forward properly. No, there's just uh, I think I named Tim Murphy, I, I believe his name is, that's had this statement. I heard it through somebody else, but I finally found out who stated it. And so I give him credit. But he says, it's hard to see the label when you're inside of the jar. And I go, that's beautiful, man, because a lot of us are living lives not aware of why this jar is empty. Why this jar is unhappy? Why is this jar so dark? Why is it so sad? Why is it so negative? Why is it so whatever? And we don't realize it's because the outside label has a statement as to who you are. And until you ask yourself the question, hey, who am I, that you actually could have a mirror outside to see what that is. You go, ooh, yeah, that's why this is happening. This is where I'm responsible for it. Right? You have to do that. And the crazy thing is, this is a new information. You know, this is a weird. I look at these things I do podcast-wise, and I love them because I know that someone that's on your audience is going to hear this. But I realize it's not the first time they've heard it. But man, it should be the last. You know, like it should be the last time they hear it in this manner, in this stance. And it's like, if you know somebody, you yourself are in a place where it's just heavy, you got to ask the question, where, where is my fault in getting here? Because we all got a fault. We, we, even in my marriage falling apart, I was, I blamed it on her for doing what she did and it all fell apart, right? But I look back and I go, well, I was in a position where I would leave my house every day at six in the morning. And I wouldn't get back till 10 p.m. at night. And she had a four-year-old and newborn twins all day by herself for nine months, right? And it just got too much for her. I get that. So I go, damn, man. While she made a horrible choice to do what she was doing to run our, ruin our family, like it, for me, I go, man, it took two people to get her there. And I had a fault in that. I had a fault in guiding her heart to a place where it felt it needed to make a decision. And so that's the thing is where when you can finally give yourself the clarity, it might come with ownership that hurts, but it won't start until you have a question answered of why am I here? Where's my role? Well, some people just need reminding, I think. And yeah, is, it could help. We, we forget pretty, pretty quickly, to be honest. Yeah. And also, I think also, yeah. The ego fits in there too. Cause in people that you say we forget and when we're reminded by somebody because all we have is the ego, we then put the ego wall up. Ah, leave me alone. You don't support me. You're not my friend. You don't love me. It's like, no, I love you. I love you because I'm telling you and everybody else who's hanging out with you, not telling you, they don't actually love you. Yeah. And so there's that dynamic of, we want to push away anything that makes us feel bad. And we want to say that you don't support me. It's like, nah, man, the people who are able to tell you things, the truth of things, they love you the most. Ego can blind us to those important truths. Yeah, I can. We got to subdue it and then do our best to get rid of it before we're able to finally see who we who we really are in our deepest, darkest moments, and mm. then move forward with that grace, with that level of compassion, as you said, to ourselves. Yeah. Stop beating yourself up, being an important rule of life. <laughs> yeah, you can't beat stuff up too much. I mean, the world's doing enough of that, so you shouldn't help them. Exactly <laughs> but, right, man. Yeah, but ego, his funny thing is ego isn't the, it's not always negative. There's a part of the ego that is bad, right? I think there's, I call it everyone's greatest obstacle. Your ego is like a, an armor that protects whatever's inside of it. And inside of that thing, which is yourself, there are some good and some bad. And so, but part of your ego is like, um, I don't know, uh, I never feed the kids first, right? I just don't do that because whatever, just making something up. Well, then maybe you want to change that part of your ego, right? But there might be a part of your ego that goes, okay, well, I'm a phenomenal NFL football player, professional football. My ego goes, well, you shouldn't eat that. You should make sure you lift, study your playbook, practice hard, lift the weights hard, right? My ego shows up in actions that protect that identity by no matter what's going on, I'm going to get those things done. Yeah. So the ego is a tool. It's, a, it's, a, it's an asset to us. It's just a matter of being aware of what it's protecting. 
and whether or not it should be protecting that part of you. Yeah. In your current relationship now, and mm-hmm. as the father you are, you said you were six years into the remarriage at the moment. What have you discovered about what it means to be a real man and a real good father? The loaded question, my friend. <laughs> I like it, man. What you know? I'm here to learn. I'm yeah, like, I'm here to I'm here to learn too. That's kind of the thing. Is I find that my brain works funny. Is I I always have a bunch of weird stuff I put in all day, every day. I consume things. I don't even know where it goes sometimes, and then it all comes flying out of my mouth in podcasts. And I'm like, I did remember, I did read that, you know. So I think when it comes, we'll start with first being a man, right? I think there's an aspect to a man where there's part of the the world says, uh, you know, be in touch with your emotions and be, you know, in, in a space where like, you know, you're not going to be the, the quiet man that used to say nothing. It's all alpha. And, and I do believe that to an extent. I do believe there needs to be a space where as a man, you you have to be able to touch base with who you are and how you feel right now. Now you can do that. But the, the biggest thing is when it happens, when you touch base, you are the way that I think men should function in the world is different than I think women function in the world with the same knowledge, right? So if I know there's certain parts, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm not happy with myself, my emotions are, you know, women will just blurt out, put all over the place and it's okay. But men hold a different space because I have to also be seen as a protector, as a guider, as a leader. And there are certain things where in a world where we operate, which is primarily led by men, when you put too much out, Men see it as a space to enter a weakness and attack you. Yeah. So women don't get like some men, we're not that we don't want to share our emotions. We don't want to lose ground or put our family, ourselves at risk of attack from somebody who uses a certain information as an attack on us. There's a weapon. So there's, there's a balance, a delicate balance there. So what I think most men have to be able to do is we have to be able to have discernment to understand I have his emotions. I get this. What do I do with them? Do I have certain confidants I talk to, a therapist? Is there someone that I can confide in a very specific safe space to process that emotion, to go through? Because a lot of us didn't have it as a kid. We didn't have the processing of it. We're just still raw and rugged and tough. But I need to process it and understand how to operate functionally as a man in the world. And so there's that part of it. And then I think there's also, if I have a stance of, of base and security and I have I'm not very, we'll call it capricious. I'm not emotionally up and down, right? If I have an emotional control and I can control myself, I think we're in a great place as a man to be able to function in the world because the world of men is different than the world of women. The world of men and the we're up here doing crazy things, man. Physically crazy things to build the world. I got this house that I live in right now. I'm going to venture to say it was built by a man. And, you know, and that's okay. Like that's But the domicile I have, the roads that are laid, there's going to be primarily men. There's going to be a lot of people doing the physical stuff that is the infrastructure to the entire society we live in that men created and built. And so there's a certain way a man has to show up in this world to be able to, to show up with other men, right? And so when you have that base, you have an understanding of how I think you operate. I think you have a better stance to be able to feel confident as you walk around in this world. I think that's my biggest thing is I want my boys and myself to be able to walk around and have an understanding of what a man is and how I function and his strength and how I have my, my family feel comfortable with me, like that kind of thing. But I don't got to go out there and be a punk. I'm not bothering people. I'm not, you know, who says it really well is a guy named Jordan Peterson. He talks about, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Yeah. I, I need to have the ability to do things, but have it completely under control. That's it. So I need to have the, the strength to be able to handle situations emotionally and mentally and physically I don't have to wield those weapons all day long. And then then to your second question, when you have that in you, when you have that control, 
it's our duty to, to teach that to the next generation, not just of men, but also of my daughter and women, right? Mm-hmm. The strengths that men have are great strengths for humans. Women just have different ways of processing emotion, doing certain things and the dynamic they operate in. I get that. But my daughter should have confidence. She should have the, the strength, the will to drive to be the best she can be, right? She shouldn't be, um, you know, I guess deterred or and her emotions skewed by the world of makeup and bodies, images of what we have little teenage girls should wear and like dresses and go to the dance and kiss the boy. Like if she doesn't want to do it, she should have to do it. Right. And it should be a thing that's her choice. And she should have confidence and strength that to be able to manage that. If she wants to do and build some other hands, I'll teach you how. Right. But I, I want that lesson we pushed on more than the, the lesson that I believe puts men at jeopardy in the world, which is toxic masculinity. Um, you can, you know, you, you could be too masculine and they, what we start doing our, like our TV nowadays, if you watch most TV shows, the men are bumbling idiots. Yep. Just, we're just stupid. And it's like, well, but that's not, that's not the reality of life. There are very few men I look at and I notice in my life that operate like the things I see on TV anymore. And the crazy thing is that's what, that's what feels more comfortable because it can't be too masculine. But then when you, we have an emergency, who are you calling? The fireman, the police officer, the paramedic, they're typically men primarily, not always, but obviously by any means, but there's a dynamic where that's, that's the, that's what our world still needs. And those guys existing is not a attack on anything in any way. They are the saviors in some aspects of our society. So allowing them to be that without telling them they're bad is a big, big thing we have to be able to do as, as the world and men and realize that, that there are also going to be dynamics where some men are more feminine. They have feminine and that's okay. The world needs them too, right? There's just certain aspects of letting it be. And so I, I try to make sure that I try to embody a compassionate, empathetic man who also has a stance that I feel confident about. I can show up in the world and be very protective of the world that's around me and then teach my sons because it's my duty to raise the next generation to be prepared for their world. It won't be my world. That's a crazy thing is I'm raising kids for a world I'll never live in. Like I'll live in it, you know what I mean? But like not the same way they will. So because of that, I have to be aware that like I can't prepare for the aspects specific to that face, but I can prepare a human being to face hard things. Yeah. M- masculinity is ultimately under attack in the new world that is being created right in front of us. It's tough. And I, I was watching, um, and the reason why a lot of men actually go to Jordan Peterson in the first place is because he appeals to them. Because yeah. they don't know where else to turn. And his message is, what will we do with our men? Mm-hmm. Seriously, what will we do? Like, and it comes from a guy that's not a burly man. I think it's the most beautiful part about it. It's not like some alpha former Navy SEAL. He's this dude that has logic. And he's like, hey, I was a psychologist and I'll talk you through why we need to have masculine men. But I wouldn't look at him and go, super masculine guy. Right? That's, that's almost the beautiful part about it all. Yeah, I wouldn't look at him as being a soldier in the war so to speak. I look at him as being someone of wise um, character, to be honest. Yeah. Someone. philosopher. Oh, yeah. He's a whole different monster, but. Like he knows who he is and he has struggled as well, like personal attacks that he's been through. So I think Mm -hmm. in our society today, it is our job as men to understand that there are the, the feminine, there are the masculine but not create a toxic environment that is going to make both sides feel like they don't have a place. 
Uh, yeah. That's what they're doing. The yeah, it shouldn't be. It's not the case, though. Everybody has a place, man. Yeah. Everybody has a place. But some people's, <laughs> I think this is why a lot of the world's adjusting reality to an extent, because everybody has to feel like they, they, uh, they should have to do less work to be able to live in complete peace. And I don't know if that's ever been the world. You know, the, some people have to work harder to have the same level of peace and success. I had to work vastly harder than a lot of my counterparts from a, we'll call it an ethnic standpoint, racially, right? From a socioeconomic status, like all that. I had to, I had to fight from a whole different place. And so there's a reality to it. And I don't battle the reality. I go, well, where do I have to step up? Because at the same time, I have strengths within that same world. That guy was a better athlete all around. I have different wits about me and skill sets from the hardships. So like the, the world that I live in is really the same exact world as most people. The reason I can thrive is because I'm not sitting back like we talked about before. I'm not playing a victim role. I go, hey, I may have to do more work in a certain direction than somebody else may have to do. And that's just the reality of it. So I'm not going to complain at the rules of the game. I'm going to get good at the game. Yeah. Finishing up this conversation, man, I've, I've loved and I could speak to you for a lot longer. I believe you may. What are you excited about right now? Like what's happening in your life that you... Yeah. Most excited about. I'm excited about my family, man. I I have a I have a creepy sense of like I'll give the beginning of this. I used to have this draw and allure that was intoxicating to create for my business, to make a course, to do the video, to be on stage. I mean, legitimately intoxicating. I I couldn't get away. The laptop was always in my hand. The phone was always in my hand. And now that is over a lot of hard work and some very specific like experiences. I have the reverse happen to where I have an intoxication to be with my family. Like when we get done, I'm going to get my kids and I'm probably not going to even step foot in this office again. And I'm not even going to think about it. I'm football coach. I'm strength training coach. I'm just a dad with the rest of the dads, man. None of this matters to me at the same level as my kids right now. And, and so, but while I'm here, it's the same thing. I know that when they're gone, I'm, I'm immersed in this world of, of helping people any way I can with words or thoughts or new perspectives to move their life forwards. And so like what I'm excited about is my kids growing up and me be able to sit at some point as an old fogey dude on the chair. And then the grandkids going, man, grandpa got so many cool stories. We go to grandpa's house and like being at Christmas and, and looking at all the human beings that have come from my lineage, you know, my, my grandkids, their kids, whatever it might be, like, you know, cousins, uncles, in-laws, wives, husbands, all that. I want I want all of that, man. I'm excited for that. And then on the career professional side, I'm excited to see what we have this new thing coming out. It's a, a new way to, to look at the perspective of identity that I work on, because I believe that your identity is who you are when you're shining in the light. Right. But you cannot shine the light unless you've worked in the dark. And I call it dark work. Like you got to go do dark work. It's that unseen, unsexy, unsupported, difficult stuff that when you've done it, it rewires to your core, literally at a psychological level, your identity. I do this thing. I come out, I emerge as somebody different. And, and so creating this understanding of the dark work helps reform and upgrade your identity to where you achieve that thing, but you transform to somebody wholly capable of something new. I'm excited to birth dark work to the world to teach people how to be able to create their own dark work experience so they can shine. That is really exciting and needed and needful <laughs> in yeah, today's day and age, especially. But uh, I like how your team, when we're trying to schedule this, I like how they're 
protective of your time past 3 p.m. I know I'm here in, here in Australia and trying to organize things. For me, early is late for you. So I, I love how you were able to make, or both able to make early time. But the fact that you valued your kids, I respected that. I'm like, man, that that is, we need more people that would actually be guarded over their time and not work past that and actually value family if they've got it. So yeah. otherwise don't be a workaholic like me, people. It's not good. <laughs> I mean, there's a window of time for it. I'm, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you have to have gone through it to understand it doesn't have the power you think it does. Yeah. So it's okay. I, I think people want it. Because if not, then you'd always wonder, what, what what is it like? I just know what I lost and what wasn't present and how I didn't have what I wanted when I did it. So when I'm in a moment and three o'clock pops up and someone's like, no, without even processing, my, my gut goes, nope, <laughs> nah. Like, you know, it's just... So at this point, when you said that, I'm like, I don't know why it's so hard for people. But then I go, oh, wait, yeah, it was almost impossible for me. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a hugely valuable conversation for myself. And I have no doubt my audience is going to love it. Uh, for many, many more conversations to come, my friend, there's so many things that I do want to ask you. But my final question for you, this is my all-time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end. It is a hypothetical one. You sort of, I think you sort of touched on it a moment ago, but we'll see how see how you, your answer goes this time. But right. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your All right. friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Trucks don't show up. Trucks show out. It's a family model, man. There's a uh, my wife. She runs college track right now at 38 with her master's already. She just she started her athletic clock later. My oldest son's running track at my alma mater. One of the best. It might be the best track stadium in the entire country right now, if not the world. Uh, my twins, they do what they do. I do this. I talk, I speak, I share. And my kids, I have this statement as a family, trucks don't just show up to life. That's not who we are. We don't just show up and do things. We show out. We do the best we can in that moment. It doesn't mean we're workaholics. It doesn't mean we're, you know, hustle monsters. But if I'm going to give my name to that, I'm going to give my energy to it. I'm going to give all of my energy and love to it. And so it's a matter of showing out, performing, doing your best. And so for me, like that would be the, the th golden thread of my life. I've always found moments where I could have just showed up. I could have showed up to, to football practice and, and do whatever. I said, no, I want to show out. So I became a professional athlete. I could have showed up to my life in my marriage, but I said, I want to show out. I want to have a great marriage. I want to show, I can show up to parenting, but I show out. I'm a coach. I'm a trainer. I'm all you can imagine for my kids when they need it. I, I, so I don't work after three, right? I just, I'm dialed in there. And even professionally, like when I do what I do and I get in the stage or I speak in some manner, it's not just me showing up. I'm trying to make sure I show out for the human being who'll be bettered by the words that I share from my life experiences. And so that would be my answer. Trucks don't just show up, trucks just show out. Anthony Trucks, man, thank you for showing out today or showing up and showing out and uh, yeah. your wisdom, your advice and your story. And for joining me today on the Storybox podcast. I appreciate you having me, man.
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.